Episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 10. This week we catch up with Gareth Kemp and check out his 1950 Ford F1 pickup. To check out more pics of this beautiful truck and his many other classic vehicles, go to his Instagram page, at Gareth64 or at eastside underscore speed underscore shop. Once again, thank you for listening and sharing the podcast. It would be great if you're an iTunes listener, if you could take a moment and give it a five-star rating to help us work our way up the rankings and get more exposure for the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Gareth, thanks for coming on board on the podcast and having a chat. How have you been, mate? Yeah, good. Obviously, uh, challenging times, but... uh... You make the most of it and get out in the shed and use the time to the best advantage. Yeah, you spent a bit of time cleaning the truck up for the uh, the ISO truck show we had a few weeks ago. It was good to see that uh, show up. Yeah, that was great. But, um, uh, you know, I think everyone was hanging for, for, for something car-related and, um, you know, albeit a little bit left field, it was it was good. Yeah, gave the engine a bit of a, uh, a wipe down and, uh, and went over it and, uh, and then also dug out some old photos as well, but uh, just some, some faves there and put them up and, and, uh, and just spent all weekend uh, trolling through and having a look at what everyone else had and uh, really surprised to see what was it, over a thousand posts of, of pickup trucks. Uh, you go to a show, you see three, you know? So um, yeah. for me, I was in, I was in uh, you know, seven or eight-year-old boy heaven, you know, pickup trucks everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. And uh, I, yeah, I was just surprised at uh, just such a range as well, you know, like, from from full blown rat rods and and mini trucks right through to classic originals, it, it's such a good range of trucks we got in the country now. Yeah, true. So true. Yeah. So, mate, take us take us back. We like to go back and, and see where this all came from. So, do you, do you remember sort of your first automotive memory? Do you remember the first time you you were in a car or you thought about a car or, or anything along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. Um, remember it very, very vividly. Um, uh, it, it goes back to uh, my old man raced motorbikes in the 50s and 60s in the UK uh, and, and did really quite well. And, um, and then we moved out to New Zealand with, uh, with his work um, when I was, you know, two or three and my brother was four years older than me. So um, we lived out there and, and the first automotive memory I have is, is um, dad had a, a Lotus 7. So an original Lotus 7, which they now, you know, repop those cars into uh, what are the, the the Chathams or whatever they are, the the, the Clubmans, little little frog-eyed uh, little uh, fiberglass cars. And um, yep. I, I just remember that thing going in there. The door locks were just a, a turn knob. There was no handles on there. The seat didn't move, but the, the pedals moved. 
Um, so when mum got in it, you had to unclip the pedals and move them three notches further, further forward. But um, the thing would spin the, the, the tyres in, in all four gears. And, um, you know, dad would wear a you know, bit of a flat cap and some, some gloves every now and again on the weekend when he took it out special. And um, I just remember it just tearing the tyres off everything and just being thrown back in the seat. So, um, you know, I would have been, you know, five or six maybe at that time and, and just absolutely hooked on, on the noise and the speed. Um, and I think it, it smelt like an old car too. So, um, you know, dash a bit of, uh, bit of diff oil and petrol smells behind your ear and you're good to go. Yeah, right. So you never had much choice in the matter, really. You are born into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Dad always had uh, cars. Not, not exactly my taste, but he always had something that was a little bit, you know, out of the box. Um, you know, the Lotus, then he had a, a Triumph Stag, so another small car with a, with a, a, a you know, Leyland aluminium V8 in it. So um, really quite a, a reasonably quick car. And, and then in the 80s, he, uh, he bought a VK Calais Director. Um, I think it was actually the first one ever built through some negotiations he did with, with HDT and some, some printing that he was doing for him at the time. Um, and then traded up to a, a, a VL Calais director as well. So uh, both of those, you know, just ripped along. And uh, the VL is what I did my most of my learners in. So it was uh, it was pretty good times. Yeah. And what, and what was so? What was his trade? Uh, he's a printer by by trade, but um, always been in sales and and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But um, yeah, just uh, he was a car guy and, and motorbike guy at heart. So. Any sort of spare time and, and, and money went on on nice cars, and um, you know he dropped and dabbled back into into racing and, and revived his career a couple of times. And, and over here on classic bikes at Winton and um, Mac Park and Phillip Island, places like that. Yep, yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's funny. I I I grew up. My my family's property's about oh, a kilometre behind the Winton racetrack, so I. I grew up nice. literally my week my week my weekend job was in the tuck shop at the racetrack, um, cooking chips oh. and selling stuff. So yeah, it was uh love I love I love Winton and I love the track and um yeah, got a lot of good memories. And and they do the, the great thing about Winton is that they do so many of those classic um things every weekend there's a different category of car or motorbike race in there, so it's great. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that track, love that one and, and broad for the short the short tracks are more my style than the uh, the long ones like Phillip Island, Eastern Creek. You know, sometimes I think some of those faster turns. You know, I shouldn't say it out loud, but they're, they're a bit scarier than <laughs> than some of the other ones. So, good times. Yeah, absolutely. So, so learnt the drive in the VL, and then what what was the first car that you owned? Um, I bought a um, a uh, what was it a seventy. 71 Ford Capri. Uh, it was on the side of the road on the way home and just, just saw it, fell in love with it. Um, at that time, I had, I think, just become an apprentice mechanic um, and I was hooked on real, real early street machine magazines. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a picture of George Haddard's uh, sort of baby blue uh, Capri, uh, full drag car, sort of that was my, my aim to go with that kind of thing. I was very much a, a street machine sort of kid. Um, you know, one of the, the world racing wheels and heaps of stuff hanging out the bonnet and, and just to go really fast. So uh, I bought that car for 800 bucks, which was an absolute fortune uh, back in the day and, and every penny I had. Um, Dad drove it on the trailer. We brought it home. Dad drove it off the trailer and myself and a mate of mine, Peter, um, we pulled it to bits and it never saw the light of day again. It, uh, it was a good learning curve, but it was so, 
it was so badly rusted in the turrets and um, around the C pillars and it, it just I had no idea about bodywork and and for me and anyone I spoke to just went no nah, it's 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 knackered it's too far gone so um, used it as an experience to pull down engines and see how valves worked and timing chains and, and pulled gearboxes apart but literally sold it to a guy who had plenty of other capris and everything just went into boxes and milk crates and, and he took it away so that was a uh, a good year of, of weekends and evenings of just tinkering basically but um didn't stop there just went on and bought something else and kept going <laughs> you, you learn so much from from the projects that even the ones that you never finish don't you it's a it's a real i remember my first car like that that i got was a 53 ford mainline ute the old man sort of bought it for me and i stripped it down to the chassis and wire wheeled it and you know and I didn't get much further than that, and he ended up selling it. And uh, when I was overseas, so no, it's um, that's cool. So, so what was the first one you actually uh, had on the road? The first one I had on the road was a Mark One Cortina. Um, I bought that, and uh, once again, it was cheap just to get me to and from work. And um, yeah, played around and put a, a different head on it. I think it was a Lotus head and a Weber carburetor and bits and pieces like that. And um, I ended up selling it for. A couple of hundred bucks a year later um had i known i'd keep that car seeing they're worth a fortune now um but yeah just another good learning experience um you know you had to tune the car twice on the way to work and <laughs> do things like that to make sure it got there but uh other than that it was it was just uh yeah just tinkered from day one basically yeah and so so how'd you go down the road from uh just playing around it. How did the uh, mechanics apprenticeship come about? Was that something you always knew you were going to do or, or was that through a friend that had a mechanics workshop? How did you get into that? Um, well, I was um, I was at a school in Melbourne and um, at, at a grammar school and then my parents moved down the, down the coast and, and bought a house looking over, over the sea and the local school down there was a – I got a choice of going to the, the, the other grammar school down at New Mornington or, or the local high school. And I picked the high school. So um, absolute culture shock for me, you know, very little uniform. There was a woodworking and metal workshop and uh, there was girls, you know, didn't have that at the grammar school I went to. So um, complete change of pace and uh, just got in, in with a bunch of lads that just, you know, had paddock bombs and, you know, had a car project of their own. One of the guys had a, you know, XY Falcon. Um, and I think it actually was a GT from, from memory, like a, a real one um, that he bought from some inheritance. And uh, we just go around and, you know, I suppose it's the same thing guys do now. It's just probably a few, a few less beers as um, as fifteen year olds, but uh, maybe not. Maybe the same. But um, you know, just tinkering on cars together, and then I just had to had to do it all day every day. So um, look for an apprenticeship so I could learn more about it and, and and be better at it. Yeah, yeah. Follow follow the passion, and uh, yeah, that's great. So when we we talk about pickup trucks and things. You, I, I feel like you spent a lot of your early years uh, with bikes more than more than classic trucks. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, um, I started uh, racing road bikes. Basically, my first bike I, I rode that had any gears you could change was a race bike. Um, my brother bought a, an RGV off a, a friend of his that was a race bike and bought a home and road trim and. Um, uh, mum basically said, no, you're not riding that on the road. If you're going to ride it, you're going racing. You know, everyone's going the same direction. There's ambulances and um, 
my dad and my brother looked at each other and said, looks like we've just got a free pass to go racing. Uh, and being the younger brother, yeah. I just um, uh, bought a bike and tagged along and, and uh, fell off and hurt myself a few times and, and then just got better and better. So um, my brother and I both went racing. But um, in, in all honesty, he, he was much, much better racer than I was. Um, but I got my, way more thrill out of seeing him win on something that I'd built. So I'd build all the bikes, I'd paint the bikes, you know, tune them, play with the suspension, do all that. And, um, you know, he'd just look at me with, with absolute trust and say, is it ready? Is it right? And he'd go out, head down uh, and go flat out and, and, and win. You know, he'd win, uh, you know, production racing. He'd won Grand Prix racing in Australia and then and went over to uh, the UK and, um, and raced in the 600 Supersport uh, British Endurance Championship over there and and uh, and, and won a, a series as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, he was a great well, – he's a great rider and uh, it was a great racer back when we were racing. But um, for me, it was more the engineering and the, the tinkering and, and getting more out of the bike and, and tuning it to what the rider was saying. So even if, it was, even if it was lay terms, like, hey, it's doing this around a corner, I'd try and convert that into engineering or adjustments uh, and, and make it better. And, and that's where I got my kick out of it. Not to say I was crap, I was – you know, I was only sort of a handful of bikes behind Richard, but, um, you know, won a couple of races, but never really, um, you know, was in the, what you call the, the A squad up the front, you know, winning races all the time. Yeah, that's cool. Like going from your old man doing a, doing a similar thing to you guys both getting involved. That's that's a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was cool. It was cool. But um, so, yeah, I said at that, that time it was, it was fast bikes, uh, you know, sports bikes, um, you know, street machine style cars. Uh, I'd like to think that a few years after that, I matured, um, you know, or found a different sort of taste and, and just found what really, I suppose, made me tick. Uh, and it was just, I fell in love with the old, you know, Salt Lake style hot rods. Um, and that sort of pushed me into, uh, pardon the pun, pushed me towards the push cars, you know, that I saw the, the pickup trucks for the first time, the, the rounded fended pickups, um, you know, with a bumper bar on the front, pushing a, a Salt Lakes car down, you know, and just thought that is cool. And then, um, you know, you see a farm truck that looks like a farm truck, but could peel the tires off it. Just, it blew my mind. So, um, yeah, just fell in love with trucks and, and F100s particularly, you know, I've got a real thing for late sixties, um, you know, so sort of the last of the, the dent size before they went into, oh, sorry, bump size before they went into dent sides and things like that. But, um, the 50 I've got, the F1 is, um, you know, I say it's, it's, it's like one of my children. I just, uh, uh, yeah, love it. I'll die with it. Yeah. And, and, and all, every car you've spoken about so far has been a Ford. Was, was that, was your old man a Ford guy or anything like that? Or is that just something you picked up on your own? Um, it probably just, it, it probably just came by the, I can't say there was any any pattern to it really. I, I had an HQ panel van at one stage that um, through my sort of later mechanic uh, apprenticeship years, where uh, I bought it with a you know six cylinder and five speed um, Hadfield conversion type kit in it, and then you know put a V8 in it, and then sold the V8 to someone else, a two fifty three, and then I did a three hundred eight and put two fifty three rocker covers on it because that will always uh, you know trick the police right when you're <laughs> when you're a pea plater, um, and then and then for a small block and sold that and, and ended up having a, a a big block in it before I sold it on, Com non-complete again, non-finished, but 90% painted and uh, a big block with twin uh, gas research throttle bodies, straight gas, you know, all that kind of stuff in it. So um, uh, once again, just learning and making a lot of mistakes, spending a lot of money in the wrong places 
um, I think's maybe a little bit better at what I do. Um, but yeah, as far as the forward holding thing goes, there was there was never a you know I wasn't stuck in one camp. Um, just and I can appreciate anything. I can appreciate someone's you know street machine with with billet wheels on it, but I want it's not my thing. You know, but I can say, hey, I can appreciate the effort and time that's gone into it and the money and someone truly loves it. Um, but I know what I like and, and stick to that. So, yeah, no, no, no brand preference. Uh, you know, for the Ford fans out there, you know, my, um, my F1's got a, a small block Chevy in it. But um, we'll talk about that a bit later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's plenty of Chevys with uh, nine-inch Ford dips in them as well. So that's all right. True, um, true. So... So from seeing from seeing these trucks uh, on the salt flats and things to to the day it arrives uh, in your driveway, what what was the kind of how did that happen? Is it so you went out, you made an effort to go looking for one, or you just you you got drunk and bought one on eBay? Like how did you end up with this truck? Yeah, funny story, sort of. I, I was um, uh, had a, a new girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, and I was just surfing. Uh, the internet and I was looking for a spinner. I was looking for a 50, 50 business coupe um, that I could chop mm-hmm. and, and, you know, lay on, lay on the ground and do some crazy things with. I just have an absolute, you know, fascination with, um, you know, the 4950 Mercuries and the, and the shoebox Fords and things like that. So um, love that kind of stuff as well, but definitely more a hot rod man. But um, anyway, so I'm looking for, for, for that and it, it led me from one site to the other and, and so on and so on. And um, anyway, I've, I found a site that, uh, that had cars for sale and, and it mentioned something about a shoebox and I went on there and it was just bits of it. Uh, in the next screen over, there was other cars for sale. So I clicked on that and, um, and saw this pickup truck sitting there and it just, you know, it looked a bit sad, but um, it had that, you know, it still had that 50 look, still had that, that, that Ford look I liked with some of the, the curves on it. Um, and it was on the way down to custom nationals at Phillip Island. So, um, we, we drove down and, and on the, I think it was the Friday morning, I stopped in at a place in Tyab called, uh, I think it was American Auto something or other. Anyway, uh, stopped in there and, uh, and had a look at it. And yeah, really sad looking truck, but the motor was in it, the box was in it, brakes didn't work, all the wiring had been torn out. Um, the wood bed had been smashed out by customs, literally with a hammer, because they said it had bugs in it and they just had no finesse. So all the the bed rails across the, the from left to right were all bent and twisted, um, but you know I fell in love with it like a stray dog. So um, uh, never drove it. He started it up, and we negotiated price, and I um, I said I'll take it. Here's you know here's a here's a thousand bucks cash, and I'll um, I'll come pick it up. And he said no no I will deliver it. So he delivered it to a mate of mine's in uh, Somerville, um, and and that was it. So driving down, I had this massive grin on my face that I couldn't get off all weekend, and um, yeah. My wife and I just looked at each other and went, "Fuck! I've just bought a truck. <laughs> you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. I've got to do it now." So um, that's where it all started. So found it by mistake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, that, as good as it was already in Australia, that sort of made life a bit easier for you. Yeah, yeah. So you pick the truck up, or well, it gets delivered, um, and I mean, I, I'm sure you spent the whole weekend down down the coast picturing what you were going to do to it. So what, what was that original um, process in your head? What, what did you think it, you were going to do with it? And, and then let's talk about the process of what you actually did do. Was it the same thing? Was it similar? 
Yeah, pretty similar. Um, I'm one of those people that, I, you know, even if it's like walking through a house that needs renovating or, or looking at a project, I see the finished thing, what I want it to look like in fairly infinite detail, and then I work backwards from that and actually make it happen. Um, so from day one, I sort of had an idea of what I wanted the truck to look like, what I did and didn't want it to have on it. I knew I didn't want to bag the truck, not initially, and, um, you know, I just wanted it to be a bit of a sleeper um, with some traditional sort of uh, late 50s, early 60s sort of high school kid hop up to it. Um, so, yeah, so the truck gets delivered to my mate's place in Somerville, who's a mate of mine, Glenn, who I did most of my apprenticeship with uh, down near Frankston at a Mazda dealership. And um, he he and I spoke about things. And um, uh, anyway, by the first weekend I got there, he'd, he'd bled the brakes, he'd freed up all the wheel cylinders. Um, he'd gone and, and, and bought the, the American hardwood from uh, a, a wood supply shop and, and started laying the bed in there and oiling the, the wood and, and doing things. So, um, uh, you know, I had complete trust in him, but he just went off on a, on a, I suppose, on a, on a tangent and, um, and just got stuck into it himself. So part of me was like, shit, I want to do it myself, but then just so grateful that, you know, you've got such a great mate that just wants to get out there and spend weekends and nights uh, at doing it. So um, in all honesty, he got it up to the point where the brakes worked and it ran. I got a new carburetor and distributor for it and um, and we put that in and put it on and, and got it going and I drove it back to my place in Collingwood. So, um, yeah, pretty sketchy drive. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, single lane country roads and um, if you've ever had a car bump steer uh, and change lanes with a car coming straight at you and literally be facing it in the wrong lane, um, I'm not going to say it was a pleasant drive, but I got home and... Uh, my whole body was shaking. So I just said, well, this truck's either completely wrong, something's wrong with it, or if this is how they drive, I don't know if it's for me. I had one of those moments. Um, mm. But you know what? It's got better. Kingpins, some tie rod ends, bits and pieces, steering box, adjustments and uh, and rebuilds. Um, it's got a lot better. And and the tyres were knackered too, so um, that didn't help. And so was it the original flathead V8 with the three-speed or was the 350 in it already? No, so someone had uh, hot rodded it in the in the late sixties. So it's got a um, a sixty four, yeah, nineteen sixty four two eighty three in it, but with a, an Offenhauser adapter to the three speed crunch box, the truck box, um, and a, a Hurst front mount. So it still mounts on the original flathead uh, donut mounts at the front near the radiator. Um, so really cool, looks very period, and I just can only imagine it was it was done back when the the flathead cooked itself. And they went down the wreckers for thirty bucks and bought a bought a V eight and, and an adapter plate and chucked it in and kept going. So um, those kind of things, you know, I sort of get a bit nostalgic about it. Like some of the patina on it, you know, there's some wear marks on the guards, and it's like, is that where the, you know the guy put his coffee cup or his wallet and his keys every day on the way to work before he went back and you know kissed his wife goodbye for the day? You know, I sort of get I create my own little stories about what potentially happened to that truck and and how it got to the state it's in. So um, you know, I tried to keep a lot of that, that stuff in the truck. Yeah, that's cool. And did you did you get any history on it when you bought it? No, zero. Um, oh, other than it was it was a father son had a, a, a mechanic shop in Northern California, um, and then they went broke apparently. But they didn't know what year um, it had Hickman and Son garage written on the um, uh, on the driver's door only, uh, and it was really quite thick, like it had been done. With a, a you know enamel paint and a, and a paintbrush, the, the, the strokes were quite thick. 
it was really slapped on. So um, being that it was only one side, I tried to take it off. And in the process, you know, with a with a razor blade being gentle and some wet and dry, I actually got it down to a um, probably a, like a 10% shadow. Um, and you can just faintly see it. And um, it got to a point where it looked cool. So I just left it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. The original sign writing on doors, you know, like the, so do you think, is that original, original paint or do you think it was repainted in the sixties and it's just faded since then? No, no, this is, it, it's a hundred percent original paint. There's, um, there's no doubt it's had no respray. Um, it's had some patch panels. I think it's might've had a, uh, or not a patch panel as such. Sorry, more, more so some Frankenstein welding where the, uh, the front, I suppose the lance that goes around uh, the, the front headlights and meets the fender, that bolt that holds them, they apparently they, they crack there all the time. And there's some pretty crazy um, old school sort of oxy brazing holding that together. And, uh, you know, I haven't bogged over it or, or flap dissed it back. It just, it's one of my favorite parts of the truck, to be honest. It's um, once again, you know, create a bit of a, a nostalgic romantic story of what I think may have happened in my head. And, um, you know, I just run with it. Just love it. Yeah. Cause you, you could paint them any day you want, but you can never have them original after you change them. And, and yeah, I, I, I'm probably the biggest patina fan in the world. So you're lucky to have that original paint and yeah, it's, it's yeah. a great looking truck. So you, you must've given it a good rub back or what do you do to the, to yeah, the paint just to yeah. clean it up a bit? So when I got it, it was very orange and chalky. Um, so I, uh, I literally 2000 wet and dried it in the, in the backyard of this, this, um, uh, place in Collingwood. Um, and it come up really, really good. And then I, I bumped into an, a, another guy who had a bit of patina on a car and, and whatnot. And, um, we just got chatting and I said, oh, you know, what, what do you wash it with? You don't want to, I don't want to wash it with, you know, your standard car washes and, and have all those acids in there and, and things that are going to make it worse or, 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 you know, rust it out. And he just said, man, I just wash my thing with WD-40. I went, what? And he goes, I just spray it down with WD-40 and I wipe it over. So for probably, I think it's only ever had a, a, a bucket and sponge over it once in the seven years I've had it. Um, and I just basically give it a, a, a spray over with a, a WD-40 can and wipe it down and um, it gets into all the nooks and crannies. Um, I did use a product called Anchor Wax once um, where I put that on and, and uh, you know, left it for 40 minutes or so and then, rubbed off the, the, the residue and it left it just a, a bit of a sheen on there, a bit of a coating, um, which they, you know, advertise it'll hold that patina in a state of flux, I suppose, so it won't get any worse. Um, but being a bit lazy with body work, I haven't done it ever again since. I just spray it down with WD-40 and give it a wipe over. So um, it can get pretty dirty, but, um, you know, it all wipes off. Bugs wipe off the front. It's great. Yeah, so it doesn't end up being tacky or anything like that. It's just... Just nice. No. Yeah, just nice. And, um, you know, it doesn't sort of, uh, even in the rain, it doesn't sort of run off and, and get anywhere and make it all the wheels dirty and whatnot. It just, um, yeah, it just uh, keeps everything as it is now. No, that's really cool. That's, I mean, that's such an easy application, isn't it? You've literally got like a spray can, like you're painting it because I I use a product called Penetrol on a lot of stuff that I build, um, oh, yeah. which is, which is, you know, rusty steel signs and all those sort of things. But, um, you know, you, if you don't do it right, you can see brush strokes and that sort of thing. But it sounds like, yeah, I've, I've actually never heard of WD-40 being used like that. I've heard of, you know, linseed oil and anchor wax and a hundred other things, but 
that sounds super easy to do, which is great. Yeah, I just put in one of those big, um, you know, the two liter, you know, pump bottles. I just decant it from a, a four liter container. Um, and then just, it doesn't take much. And then after I've done that, I go around and uh, just clean, clean the glass and maybe wipe over the stainless with a, a clean cloth. Um, and that's it. Just go out and drive the crap out of it. Yeah. And I guess the door hinges never squeak. Absolutely. Everything rattles, but it doesn't, uh, doesn't squeak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and um, so, so it had been imported by this company and it, it obviously had never been registered in Australia before you got hold of it. Was, was there any issues with that process or how did that all go? Uh, so it's on Vic Club Reg. Um, and seven years ago, it was much, much easier process than now. There was no roadworthy in, involved. Um, and I won't mention the name of the club I'm with, but um, yeah, basically went to the guy's house and uh, you know he looked at it from 20 feet away and I filled out the paperwork and um, paid my money. Uh, it was it was that easy. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a roadworthy licensed mechanic uh, in Victoria, but this wouldn't be roadworthy. But at the same time, it's not unsafe. I put my kids in it. I put anyone in it that goes for a drive. But it, it wouldn't pass all the, the, the you know the dot the i's and cross the t's uh, roadworthy. There'd be a few things to to do to get it across the line. But um, it's definitely safe now. But back seven years ago, it was probably a little bit uh, bit sketchier than it is now. So yeah yeah easy process so so you're running original suspension so talk us through uh what you've done to that as far as upgrading it and, and making it drive a bit better okay so um uh the suspension i've got um poly springs in the front some uh, i think i have speedway uh poly springs so the two the two leaves in the front and a spring pack it's also from Speedway that's, um, uh, it was meant to be lowered uh, three centimetres, so two inches, two and a quarter inches, I think it was going to come in at. Um, and when I put it in the truck, it sat exactly where the old springs were that were sagged. So I, uh, I took out about six leaves, uh, leaving me with about five, um, inverted a couple of the ones I took out on the top just to uh, give it some stiffness. Um, and it handles, I'll say, like a dream compared to what it did. Uh, and it sits exactly where I want it to. So um, the front came down about three inches and the back's come down about, I'd say, nearly five and a half inches, maybe six. Um, and the running boards sit almost flat. It's probably a little bit of a tail dragger if you want to go that that, that way, probably a centimetre or so. Um, but, but that's it. Um, I had the steering box uh, rebuilt by a mate of mine, um, Andy at uh, Classic Custom Garage in, in Coburg. The reservoir he built the steering box for me um and then i just made sure all the drag links and, and bits and pieces were done uh did all that and put new bushes in the um oh sorry um yeah bushes in the kingpins kingpin set wheel bearings things like that and just took out all those little extra bits of slot um so now the steering wheel you're not chasing it but it does still bump steer a little bit so um you know maybe you're gonna put some uh some caster shims in there and and see if that makes a bit of a difference but um yeah it, it handles pretty good Hasn't got any rear suspension travel at all, really. Um, uh, probably couldn't put much weight in the back of it. Probably got about an inch between the uh, the the, uh, the diff and the, and the chassis rail, so it's not C notched or anything like that. Um, but regular normal driving, it doesn't um, it doesn't bottom out. You'd have to hit a pretty decent dip in the road, or uh, you know, jukes a hazard over a set of train lines to um, to get it to bang yeah. in the back. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. 
something that that I find really interesting uh, with the Chevs. So I've got a handful of Chevy trucks in my in my yard, and the the cabs on the Chevs were made here in Australia by Holden. Um, the the front sheet metal uh, from American cabs fits on, but but pretty much nothing else in the cabs between the US and the Australian Chev cabs is the same. So like a door rubber or a window glass and they're just not quite the same. Right. So most of the stuff in it, most of the stuff in the Chevs tends to be like FX, FJ Holden. So like if you wanted to replace a door handle, you could put an FJ Holden one on there and it pretty much is the right, they're, they're fractionally different, but they're pretty much the same. Do you know whether the Aussie Ford cabs versus the American Ford cab, have you bought rubbers or any of those sort of parts? Are they interchangeable? Um, you know what? I've, I've probably only bought uh, rubbers and things. I bought, I bought a lot of stuff online, um, you know, from Speedway and uh, LMC uh, truck in the States. Uh, Max as well. Bought a, stuff, a lot of stuff from Max for it um, just here and there. But um, I did buy some stuff from Rubber Connection down, um, I think they're Cranbourne way, down that way uh, in Victoria. But I think they import their rubbers as well. So as far as trying to find local stuff, I'm pretty sure all the stuff I bought for it's it's come out of America anyway. So um, uh, didn't really have any trouble finding it. Um, admittedly, you know, 53 onwards, um, it's everywhere. You know, those kind of parts for those trucks are, you know, they're sitting around in in, in stores and and uh, and things sitting on the shelf. But anything sort of pre 53, it's um, a little bit harder to get. Uh, for some reason, they don't seem to be as as popular uh, or in demand. I suppose. Less people probably street rod the 52s and, and backwards to 48, but um, you know 53s and onwards, uh, you know they're, they're they're much more common. And I don't say common in a bad way; just there's more of them out there on the roads. Yeah, yeah, and half of them are running fiberglass guards and all sorts of things too. Yeah, flip fronts and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to know because I I had a 51 uh forward pickup for a bit and it'd be interesting to know whether a door off an aussie right hand drive cab would bolt onto your left hand drive american cab just just to see if they're i mean i, I don't even know if they're manufactured here in australia or whether they were um imported so i'm not sure yeah i haven't done any <clears> research <throat> either yeah. mm, no it's interesting so wheels and tires are, are they are they uh, a standard rim um that you're running on them um, I thought they were. They, they're the rims that were on it. Um, they're 15 inch, but obviously, the, the, doing a bit of research, these came out with a 16 inch uh, rim on them, from what I can gather. Um, but anyway, I had them, I had them blasted and powder coated black. Um, got rid of the, the old Pirelli car tires that were on there, and literally by breaking the bead on them, they were so old that the the tire split down the tread in three or four places, which. Um, Maybe cringe that I drove it home on those tires, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got the cokers from uh, from a mate of mine, Mitch at Antique Tires, and, and Ben uh, up there, and, and put the put the cokers on there, the, the, the wide whites, and um, and bought a set of you know original fifty pickup caps, um, hubcaps for the centers, because I thought I wanted that sort of slightly original uh, look, but obviously lowered with the white walls and whatnot, and um, they didn't fit, so I took the took the truck back with the caps and went. You know what's going on, guys? This, these don't fit. You know, it's a fifty pickup. And um, uh, Ben came out and he went, "No, nah, dude, these are the right caps. Those wheels aren't fifty yeah. um, pickup caps uh, wheels, right?" 
and all we could come up with is that they uh, they may have been off some sort of 50s Mercury that had a, a, a five by five and a half big bore center wheel um, because they've actually, what I've clipped on there is a, a 50 uh, sedan or business coupe cap, which clips over the three little lugs over the center. So it sort of snaps on, you know, with a, with a smack of your hand, you know, whereas the, uh, yeah. the truck ones are meant to fit on the inside the little tangs. So completely reverse. So it was a bit of a, um, bit of a mystery, but um you know, in the end, the, the, the overall look of it is it's just come out how I wanted it. So, um, you know, I suppose mistakes or quirks have, uh, have turned out for the best. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So so looking at, at the build where it is right now, if you, if you went back to the start again, would, would you do anything different? Would you, would you redo the suspension, put it independent in there? Would you change the engine or, or you're happy with the whole process? Um, no, I'm really happy with it. I must admit, um, you know, talking earlier about, you know, how, how old we are, I think there's part of me that, um, you know, would, would like something that's that's just a bit easier to drive. But at the same time, I've, I've been really staunch about, you know, people saying, oh, you should put a Mustang front end in it. You should do this and do that. And I said, if I wanted it to drive like a Corolla, I'd just go and buy a Corolla. You know, I just, I like it driving like a truck. I like it slamming through gears and, being a bit grunch, crunchy and and whiny and uh, and and things like that, it just it makes you feel like you're driving a truck and it's it's loud, you know. It's it's I won't say it's super fast, but it makes you feel like it's fast. It, it roars, it rattles, it um, you know it smells like a real real hot rod. So um, it, it's for me, it's it's perfect the way it is. But um, definitely down the track, plans to do uh, uh, another one um, and maybe do something as a full chassis build so you know do four link rear end notched bags uh, independent front you know rack and pinion steering you know maybe some disc brakes so still with an old look body and and the way it looks on that i've got on the outside but maybe tending towards that sort of street rod or resto mod underneath um definitely no ls but um you know just <laughs> better better handling suspension and uh just easy you know throw someone the keys and, and and know they can drive it without having to know all the quirks of which way you got to hold your head and stick your tongue out when you go in a corner you know yeah something something you're more likely to have on full rego and have as a daily driver too yeah absolutely absolutely hmm. yeah no that's cool now you um you you work as a mechanic do you you still work as a mechanic no no so i've uh, I haven't been on the tools for probably uh, 10 years or so. Um, I sort of dabbled back into running a, a mechanical shop, but um, really haven't been a, a mechanic for actually probably since about 2005 or four, actually really on the tools um, and went into service managing and, and service advising and up through that side of things. But um, now I work for a tire company looking after a, a couple of regions around the country. So a multitude of stores and, and dealing with the the day to day running of that of that business, so um, the mechanical understanding and aptitude still comes into it for a bit of problem solving. But um, no, it's 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 more of a uh, a people person job and uh, um, a bit more of a, a, a management admin type job, to be honest. So um, I revel in getting out here and, and making some noise and drilling holes and things and, and welding things back together and you know working on the cars and and the chopper and whatnot as well. So. Yeah, that's cool. So, so you've got a little uh, 
we're going to call it a side hustle, the, the East Side Speed Shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it started out as, as just, you know, like I suppose every uh, every hot rodder's dream is to have, well, I think it is, to have their own little hot rod shop. Um, but, um, you know, it sort of got a little bit of legs with a few people asking, you know, who did this on your truck and who did this on the Chevy and, you know, see you riding the bike, who did that? Uh, and when you turn around and say, oh, I did it, and, oh, yeah, but you just bought the part and bolted it on, right? No, no, I rebuilt this or I handmade that bracket or I did this. Um, you know, people sort of ask if you can do things for them. So, you know, it hasn't been uh, flat out, but definitely, um, and that's probably by design. Obviously, the work I do uh, on a day-to-day basis doesn't give me a lot of time. So I don't take on big projects. You know, someone wants me to build a, a car from scratch right now, I'd probably um, farm that out. But definitely, you know, rebuild an engine here and there and, and do some some brake upgrades and, and, and rebuild some uh, brakes and carburetors and, and, and things like that. So, um, uh yeah, so I started the Eastside Speed Shop um, and, yeah, basically do my own thing and a few things for uh, for friends and, and customers as well. But the plan is it's um, uh, maybe a few years down the track I can do more and more of it and, uh, and filter out from, I suppose, the, the real nine to five and, and, and do, do this to, uh, um, you know, keep myself happy and also pay some of the bills. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um... And tell tell us about the chopper then. So you obviously it's not a uh, a road race bike. You're uh, is it a what what is it and 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 how much building have you done with that? So it's a um a seventy three Harley Ironhead Sportster motor um, in a rigid frame. Um, basically, always had a, a a thing once again for that sort of Frisco style chopper, very narrow. Um, always like sort of ape hangers and sissy bars and, and king and queen seats. I know they're not for everybody, but, um, you know, I suppose you're, you're Captain America type bikes and, and things like that for, for want of a better explanation, but it, it, it conjures up the picture that everyone sort of gets um, when you talk about that bike. But um, decided I needed a project. Um, you know, I've got the 60 Bel Air that's sort of our, our family turnkey runaround. It's pretty stock, but just, you know, lowered with some Bellflower exhausts and bits and pieces on it. And, um, and uh, my wife's got a 53 two-door Buick. Uh, we've done some modifications on as well. Anyway, that was all, all happening and, and going where it needed to go, and I just needed a project for, for myself. Um, so I found this on eBay um, up in Wollongong and, um, yeah, basically bought it for the price I wanted to pay for it and um, drove up there on, on grand final day. I think it was a couple of years ago, so not being a footy fan, it was just an extra day off for me. And... Um, and when it went up and picked up this bike, so it was good. It was uh, uh, the year chopped wasn't on, so um, uh, which is around that sort of time. So, mate of mine and I drove up, picked it up, and um, spoke to the lady who owned it. I bought it off a guy. It's I thought I was buying off a, a guy that rode it, but he was selling it for his mum. And um, yeah, she told us some really cool stories about it. Where um, you know, she she said she lived with a, a bunch of motorcycle enthusiasts for ten years, uh, which conjures up all sorts of. Uh, images of living at the clubhouse and, and all sorts of cool stuff like that. So um, uh, brought it home and uh, once again, I had a, a vision exactly what I wanted with it and just pulled it apart, started um, uh, rebuilding what needed to be rebuilt. Um, I plumbed and wired it within the first two days just to, to kick it over and made sure it ran before I invested time and money into it. Um, and then, yeah, just rebuilt and polished bits and pieces. So, um, yeah, it's a cool thing. It's it's uh, It's got a... 
it's actually got a Honda front end on it, a CB500 or 550 front end on it that's 10 inches over. Uh, so it's got a, a good drum brake on the front that's laced up to a Norton 19 inch rim uh, with an Avon Speedmaster on it. So a really nice narrow fork, really slender, good looking fork, fork with a, a fork brace across the, the middle. So it steers okay and doesn't bump across the road. Um, little tank with a flame job on it, just gold flames pinstriped around the edges. Um, Pinstripe by a young mate of mine, Lincoln, out in uh, Cranbourne, who does uh, lines by link, I think he is. Does some good pinstriping. Um, you know, it's got some upswept 45 pipes with fishtails on it. They're really long. Uh, as I said, a king and queen seat as well. So um, king and queen seat, uh, I made myself. I'd never sewn a stitch in my life, but um, made a seat pan and uh, went to Clark Rubber and got the rubber and, uh, and then went down and saw uh, what I affectionately say is the old ducks at Spotlight and, asked, and told them what I was going to do. and and um, they asked me with uh, a lot of enthusiasm what machine I had, and of course I didn't know. So I rang my mother-in-law, who was the machine I was going to borrow, and asked her all the details. And and the ladies at Spotlight gave me the right needles and the right thread for outdoor, you know, marine vinyl, and and uh, and I had a crack at it. So it's got a nice little diamond patch on it, and um, you know it works. At first go, it's a little rough around the edges, but um, you know, once again, I've thought about changing it, but people have said, hey, you know what? It's a '70s chopper. People did shit at home. They did it themselves. They they worked with what they had. It wasn't always, you know, Instagram, SEMA quality, you know, show quality perfect. So, um, yeah, it's a cool thing. It's um, it's loud. It's smelly. Love it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And the, there's, a, there's a certain level of pride you have in the fact that you build something yourself, you know, rather than you could have gone and bought one off a website, but you've got to put the effort in and, and built it and had a crack. So I, I'm a big fan of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll be driving the truck or I'll come in off the bike and, and my wife will look at me and just, and she knows the look on my face and we've had the conversations before. Um, you know, as you said, you just can't get that. You, you know, people go and buy, you know, a Mustang off the showroom floor or, or a HSV or something. And yeah, they go fast and all the rest of it. But if you've built it and put that time and effort and it does what you've designed it to do, um, and it gets you there and back and doesn't break down every time, there's no better feeling, absolutely no better feeling. So, um, you know, it makes you feel accomplished as, as, a, as a, you know, a mechanic, a, a fitter, a fabricator, whatever it is that you're doing, um, uh, and just a, an all-round good feeling that, you know, you've, you've had a hand in it. You know, it's that whole built, not bought thing, being beaten to death, that, that, uh, that saying, but it's true. You know, you, you can't yeah, beat yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, there's some of us in life that have a bit more ability to build something or have a have the time and the inclination. And there's other people who, you know, whatever their passion or their work is, brings them enough money, but they don't have the time, and so they'll go and buy something. And you know, I I don't talk to someone who just bought a truck finished and and think any worse of him for that truck. But no. I, I do know, you know, when I when I talk to someone like you, who's, you know, you've hand fabricated stuff and built stuff and, you know, like I literally was on the phone to my radiator guy today, trying to work out how to, how to, so I bought I got a 12 valve Cummins engine out of a Dodge Ram and I brought the radiator back as well, but there's no way it's going to fit in my Chev truck. So we're trying to, we're trying to manufacture up, the right size and shape radiator to do the same job with the same or if not more um capacity that'll fit within my frame rails and under my bonnet and in my fenders and and yeah it's it's a process and it it, it takes longer than it should and 
But at the end of the day, you know, the day I sit there and drive that truck up the road, it's just going to be such an amazing thing. And, and that's what I love. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the car builder's best friend is a, is a piece of white cardboard and a Sharpie, right? You just template everything no, and, uh, and, and try and make it work. But no, back to your point, you know, I definitely don't, um, you know, look down at people that have bought a car. I know I've got friends that have bought hot rods that have been built by other people. And you know what? That's cool. But all I would say is I would inspire them to, you know, change a gear knob or, or put a set of caps on, put their own flavour on it. Um, you know, as you say, not everyone has the inclination or the or the skill set to get underneath and, you know, do the lowered suspension or do something. But, um, you know, I always say to these guys, just, just start small. Do something on the car yourself um, that's not going to cause safety issues. You know, it might be just changing a tail like, you know, bezels or, or changing a set of mirrors. Just do something little bit by bit and build your confidence. Um, and then obviously you've made that, that car yours as well. So, um, no, all, all respect for, for, for anyone who gets out there and, and, and drives these cars and bikes. So, you know, definitely don't look down my nose or um, uh, at people that have have done well enough in, in business or, or, or however they've made their money to go and buy one off the, not off the shelf, but that someone else's, um, you know, handy, handy work. Um, you know, it's just all about getting out there and enjoying them. You know, being like-minded. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you mentioned a couple of other uh, cars in the stable. So you got a you got a Chevy. Yeah, yeah. So um, got a, a 1960 Chev Bel Air four door. Um, my wife and I have got two kids each, so we've got the the Brady bunch. So all six of us can can get in it um, and, and go for a drive, and that was always the plan. Just get a, a turnkey car, and this is um just a, a really honest car. It's not, it's not a show car, but it's 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 pretty. Um, you know, it's got a good paint job. As I said, it's got Bellflower exhausts. Uh, it's super low. I've just put 15-inch dealies on it instead of the 14s. Uh, had Astro Supremes on it with that sort of Cholo look, and um, which I liked, but I just wanted to make it my own and just, you know, get away from everyone saying, oh, is that so-and-so's car that you bought? You know, get that sort of uh, conversation gone. Um, so I did a couple of bits and pieces to it. Uh, it's left-hand drive, three-speed on the column with the, the two-speed overdrive built in. So it's it's a strange gearbox, but it works well. And, um, yeah, drum brakes all around. Really, really honest car. Original interior, um, just really fun. So my wife and I drive it everywhere. We've driven it all out to um, to Bairnsdale, to Throttle Stomp, and then to, um, um, uh, you know, Custom Nationals. We've taken it to Chopped. Uh, Camperdown, Ballarat, God knows what. We've taken it everywhere. We've taken it, probably done 25, 30,000 Ks in it uh, over the, the, the four years. I think we've had that one as well. So um, that's just a really nice car. A bit too pretty for me, but um, it's uh, it's good fun. And, um, yeah, my wife's got a, a 53 two-door Buick that um, we just happened upon at um, Viva Las Vegas, obviously in Vegas. We're walking through the the lot there looking at cars and it, it uh, had a for sale sign on it. So we had a bit of a look and didn't think much of it. I took a few photographs and, um, you know, probably a month or so back uh, after we got back, um, my wife just sort of, you know, yelled out from the other room one night. She went, oh, you reckon that Buick's still for sale? And I went, why is that? She goes, oh, I've done a bit of this and done a bit of that. And I've, I've you know, I've, I've got the, the, the money together to get it. And I went, oh, Okay. So I rehashed through my, my text messages and on my uh, photos and found a, a number. And I thought, you know what, let's text him and see if he's awake. So, and he was awake right there and then. So within about 25 minutes, we bought the car. Um, <laughs> and the, wow. We struck a really good deal. 
Yeah, it was it was yeah. cool. The guy wanted, you know, show money for it. He was aiming for for people walking past that didn't quite know. Um, and I'm not a good negotiator when it comes to to haggling on things. But I thought, you know what, I'm halfway around the world. I don't know this guy, even though we chatted to him at the show. I'm just gonna throw out a low ball and, and cringe in the corner. So I, I seriously lowballed him, and um, he came back with, "Oh, mate, I can't, uh, I can't take that and and drive it to California for you and put it in the container." And I said, "I didn't ask you to drive it there. I thought I'd have to truck it there." And he goes, "No, no, I'll put it on a trailer while my F650, and I'll go visit a mate and I'll take it there for you. But can you pay the diesel?" So he upped the price by 600 bucks or 800 bucks a US to cover his diesel there and back in his trip. And uh, we got it for a, an amazing price. Um, mm. And then uh, I threw the shipping agent's card to my wife and said, uh, you deal with it. You import your own car. I don't want to be in the middle. Um, you know, I don't want you asking me where is it, what's happening. And uh, and she did. She dealt with the whole process and imported her own car. So, um, you know, got it here, did all the duties and customs, and we picked it up from Port Melbourne and uh, drove it home. No, that's awesome. Mate, it's it's not far off being the same shape as the spinner you never got. Have you have you tried to get her to chop it and lead sled it or or are you just gonna let it be? No, no, she's got her own um own uh, I suppose ideas of what it looks like. So it was very much um uh, sort of a, a bit cliche, you know, red and black, Betty Boop, Lucky Thirteen sort of vibe to it. Um and uh we got rid of that. So uh, my wife uh, Kyla Marie, she she masked up the roof and painted the red roof gloss black. So it's gloss black roof over a, a satin black body, um, and all the portholes down the side and bits around the grill were all red. So we pulled all those out and um, and uh, either satin blacked or gloss black those out. So it's just black on black, and um, got rid of the the red wheels that behind that were behind the original hubcaps, and um, and put some uh, some smoothies on there, and um, I just painted them satin black and put the white walls back on so it's um just chrome bullet nuts um black wheels white wall tires so it's um it's got a bit of a sinister look to it no mufflers in the exhaust um she thinks she'll keep getting away with it if uh if she gets pulled up but um we'll see how that works out for her um and it's it's bagged in the rear so um she was thinking about bagging it all round, but um she goes no you what I've, I've cut the front springs to the right level and um she just wants to be able to you know drag the arse in into a car park at, at a show and and drop it down when she gets to, to Woolies to go and do some shopping or or wherever we take it, you know. So I'm I'm just he- hooking up a, a tank and a, a Vi Air pump in the back, um, just with a you know a single up and down switch and gauging under the dash. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah. So do you guys have a, a modern right hand drive car or is everything old and left hand? Um, I've got a, a brand new Hilux that's that's a work truck, so I don't own it. I don't actually have a registered car in my name. They're all everything I've got's on on permits, club club permits. Um, and um, <laughs> my wife's got a, a, an old Corolla that we we bought just as a as a run around, very very temporarily. Um, and uh, I think that was about five or six years ago, and it's still um, it's still going. So um, you know, I think part of it would like a new car, but at the same time. Uh, you know, she's got a real good outlook on life of, you know, why waste money on a new car when you can spend it on cool fucking hot rods, you know? So um, hence why I married her. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, tra- yeah, it's travel, yeah. it's travel, cool old cars, tattoos, and just, you know, seeing live music and, and, and living a good life. So, um, yeah, absolutely uh, struck at gold with, uh, with this one for sure. Yeah, sounds like a keeper. Well, mate, it's absolutely. been great to uh, 
great to catch up with you and, and have a chat about your world. And uh, I look forward to uh, catching up with you at a show. Uh, we're working pretty hard on trying to get uh, a pickup truck show together, not something that we're just tacked on to the side of a hot rod show. But I think, you know, we're speaking to uh, John at Pickup Trucks Down Under and uh, I think it's time that we, you know, we've proven we've got a thousand trucks around or, you know, we've got enough vehicles. Um, so I think in the next in the next 12 months, there'll be something coming up and it'd be really cool to sit down and, and have a beer with you because I reckon we could talk for hours. Oh, absolutely, mate. I've tried to condense uh, <laughs> a good weekend over a few beers into a, an hour chat for your podcast. So um, uh, I think you said once I could talk underwater. So I think you're right. But uh, only about topics I enjoy and with people I like talking to. So uh, it's good time. Yeah. It's good fun. No, that's cool. Well, uh, thanks for sharing your story, mate. And um, and uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you. And, and we'll we'll get some pictures of your your vehicles and, and we'll put them up with the post and uh, and people can appreciate a bit of uh, classic original hot rodding. Awesome, Matt. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Whips. Really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. No, worries. Uh, thanks, Gary. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.